Welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. I'm Ram Srinivas and with me as always is Jimmy Funnel. Hello. Hi Ram. Lovely to be here once again. Talk yes. about the shells. It's got to be in it. And our special guest today is someone very active and rather prominent on Chelsea social media. I mean, Chelsea Twitter basically. And that's Ollie Glanville. Hello, Ollie. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. And it's pretty good to have you here. I mean, we've we've known you quite a while via Twitter, and it's it's nice to finally associate well a voice with you know all those tweets and <laughs> all those languages that you tweet in. So... <laughs> yeah, I've been a friend of the blog for a long time, so it's nice to um, yeah get on the podcast. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Are you actually registered? I think so. As far oh, as I wow. know, the, the last few years, yeah. Or oh, right. for quite a long time, I imagine. But yeah, <laughs> that actually counts as a community member. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a pretty busy guy, though. Speaking a lot of languages every day. I'm just sorry. I'm just very fascinated with that. Anyway, <laughs> Ollie is. I mean, he's. From London, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, lifelong Londoner, yep. um, lifelong Chelsea fan, obviously. Um, and yeah, I've been a season ticket holder for going on. Well, I was a member at first, and then a season ticket holder for the last maybe sixteen years. Wow! Wow! So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm on and off, and then for the last ten, I've been kind of solid. That's yeah. amazing. How uh, your mm-hmm. Your um, tell me about yourself question is kind of writing itself, isn't it? <laughs> your, I understand that you have quite the family heritage as well, because your father is actually the official Chelsea historian, isn't he? What's it like? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. No, no pressure, it's, it's... right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always quite funny because we we kind of joke about um, him being a kind of. Uh, celebrity for like um people who know him but anyone else would just think you know he's a normal bloke but yeah he's he he knows so much about <laughs> so much that yeah yeah see I'm... i don't even want to try and think about him, <laughs> to be honest but yeah <laughs> yeah and is it well can you remember how you became a chelsea fan or did you? Is it just like the first thing you remember? Oh, it's by default. Yeah. yeah. So, so from birth, I, I was a Chelsea fan. My first game huh? was Torquay away in pre-season in 1995, uh-huh. wow. and Rude Hullet was making his away debut. Brilliant. In the, uh, I think it was in the like the really old cause kit. Um, you know, like the I- iconic baggy one that yeah, Zola yeah. was in and Viali. Of course. Um, yeah, and we won six nil. So I could I could come again, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And what was the last game you went to? Uh, I went to Watford. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I go home and away. So of course you did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was great for eighty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Ollie is quite literally carefree wherever you may be. So that's that's really cool. <laughs> so yeah, that was. A very very interesting introduction and now getting on to 
the two games that we've had in the past week, one of them was against Manchester United. We, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much we want to talk about that because it wasn't it wasn't the best game. But Jimmy, what did you what did you make of our performance, and did you feel we were pretty hard done by? Uh, well, I think it's more of a. <laughs> it was more of a this, you know. It's against Man United. No one wants to lose against them. We've got that rivalry going for quite a while now, and um, I don't think that a lot of Chelsea fans were too upset. To I, I want to be careful here because you know I don't want to exit cup competition. I want us to win everything. But in a year of transition where we have had quite a few injuries, I think it might be a blessing in disguise in the long run if we do evade having to play in four competitions until, well, January or start of February, whenever the Capital One Cup final would be. Or actually, I think it's even March. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, point being, I think that we presented ourselves quite quite well. Um it was just these lapses in concentration and individual quality that just came through. Caballero could do nothing against um, that Rashford free kick. I don't think any goalkeeper in the world could. He was a challenging other, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And last thing to be said there on my end is that, you know, you can make an argument for Marcus Alonso. He, he, that shouldn't have happened, you know, and... I get that quick legs and all that, but he shouldn't have been given away a penalty there. And um, yeah, that, but that's the story of Marcus Alonso, you know, going forwards, brilliant and at the back, shaky at times or even blatantly silly. So uh, yeah, I think it's just something to try and forget, learn our lessons from it. I think Lampard did say that in post-match presser. And, you know, we about... We bounced back quite well. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Ali? How? I mean, are you? You must have been pretty gutted. Uh, we all are when we lose to yeah. Man, Man United. But it, it was such a classic game against this Man United, um, and maybe this Man United over the last kind of five years. Because mm-hmm. I thought, to be honest, we had a lot of the ball. They basically had two shots on target, one of which was a penalty. Exactly. Um, and it was just such a, <laughs> it was almost identical to Old Trafford in a way for the first half because we we, we had all the play, uh, we had all the ball and we just were kind of getting stuck around the 18-yard box and weren't uh, making those through passes that, you know, we're so used to, especially this season. Um, but basically, <laughs> when you don't take your chances and then... You know, there's a rush of blood in defence. I mean, in the in the stands, it was this comedy moment where you know we could all see what was happening from like 30 yards away, because Marcos had looked upfield. He hadn't seen any options, so he turned to look back, um, and then he gave the ball away. And then um, Gerhi had basically channeled Daniel James inside on his left foot, so he had to come back to kind of reset himself because he doesn't have a left foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of in control and Marcos had this kind of moment where he's like, look, I'm going to make up for, you know, what I've just done. And it was, it was so <laughs> unnecessary. And it was, it was kind of, he, 
he made this kind of lung busting run for he was for never about 20 yards that. never exactly ever it was kind of like a it was almost like a he'd seen a red rag like a, a matador on a bull yeah. and all the everyone in the stand was going no because <laughs> you could just <laughs> see him hurtling towards uh, Daniel James and even though Daniel James kind of dived backwards into him to get the contact yeah it was always going to happen uh, and it was a penalty uh, but also you talk about Rashford channeling Ronaldo he he seemingly always does that against us he does too, yeah he? I mean <laughs> he even in games where he's kind of doing nothing whatsoever he just out of the blue gets this chance um, and you know, 99 times out of 100, he takes those free kicks, and as we've seen, it just sails into the top tier. Um, <laughs> but it just so happened today that Caballero took two steps to the left, thinking that um, his wall could, you know, be more right side dominant and save him from the right hand side. But yeah, as soon as as soon as he made those two steps, he was never getting anywhere near that Rashford shot. It was, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> Just because uh, Ollie mentioned that, you know, he always turns into prime Ronaldo when he plays against us. Players have a knack of doing that against Chelsea. Same again mm. with uh, the Watford ben keeper, Ben, ben Foster. Foster. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, he was prime Buffon there, or Casillas, <laughs> you want to call him, but it's ridiculous how good he was. And he even nearly scored the winner. I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to get into that later, but just goes to show that uh, I think that's also something that speaks for us, that the players really want to give it a go against us. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, we're, we're like that team that everyone wants to be. And I'd rather be that than, you know, when we spoke with uh, the Busby babe yesterday. Uh, than a team which is constantly struggling since 2013, it was, if I'm not mistaken. So while they've lost that uh, that veil of superiority, we still have it, despite, you know, transfer ban, Lampard coming and all that kind of stuff that's happened. I I just like that. That's why we're Chelsea. Sorry, I just had to add that. (laughs) No, absolutely. Do you guys want a fun stat about Ben Foster? Oh, please. So Ben Foster, as of the, what, the 96th minute yesterday, <laughs> the day before, he uh, has now had as many shots on target in the Premier League as Paul Pogba and Divock Origi. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I like that. Uh, it's a little unfair oh on Origi, God. but... <laughs> it's a little unfair on Origi. Volume, though. Blimey. But... Okay. <laughs> On Man United, though, how how good was it to see Billy Gilmore and Mark Gurhi start the game? That kind of importance. I mean, United fielded a pretty strong squad. Then they left they left Greenwood and Gomez to play the Secretary Trophy game. Sorry, the Leasing dot com Trophy game. <laughs> and and uh, Chong as well. Yeah, yeah and Chong, Chong as well. Time. They they just they just brought Garner on the bench and they started Brandon Williams because they were playing that back five. That's so, the flip side, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, Jimmy was saying that it's not such a bad thing to go out of this competition. And, you know, on the, when we look at it in a kind of big picture sense, yeah, absolutely. But also it means that Billy and Mark and Tino and, you know, people will have to wait for probably the FA Cup yeah. to get their next chance. So that's the kind of flip side. And also Lamps 
gambled with this because he had to play Billy out of position because Ross wasn't fit. Yeah. yeah. He had to start Cover and Georgie, who weren't going to play to 100% because they knew they had the Premier League on the weekend. Um, and he had to start Alonso again um, because Emerson wasn't fit. Were you a little so, surprised that Billy Gilmore was playing like further forward? He was effectively playing Mason Monzo, wasn't yeah. he? Like, I, I thought it would be, when I saw the lineup, I thought it would be Billy in his you know, comfortable number six kind mm. of role where he's just dictating play with Jorginho and Kovacic ahead of him. So that was not yeah. uh, We know that Gilmore can play further forward, but I know. Mm-hmm. Did you did you find it a little strange that Lampard deployed him over there? Yeah, I think, again, I think it's down to kind of the situation because Jody knows Billy inside out. He knows he's a controller. Yeah. Or if we want to say, you know, register or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, he, he's a number six, right? He He's the guy who starts all the moves. He's not the guy who makes the killer pass necessarily. I mean, he has exactly. it in his locker. Yeah. He has a goal in his locker, but more often than not, he's the guy who starts the move with the pass through the lines to the guy who will be at number 10. So the Mason Mount or, you know, in, in yesteryear, like one matter or Oscar or whoever mm-hmm. would be playing at 10. Exactly. So, yeah, but the problem we had then was that Georgie and Billy, I'm not sure if they could play together as a two mm-hmm. and cover around the box. It's kind of his kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> even though, even though at Inter, he was, he was brilliant around the box. He, you know, he scored a fair few goals, including like volleys from the edge of the box. And you look at the videos of him, like in the flesh now, <laughs> him at Inter, and you're like, where did the shooting go? <laughs> but, mm. um, yeah, I, I think that was the kind of call, wasn't it? That uh, Billy played 10 just because it was kind of the best of a bad bunch, if you get what I mean. I mean, he yeah. could have played Jorginho further forward, I guess. But mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Tino would have been a possibility as well, I guess. Mm. But... Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe mm. too early for him, though. At this yeah. Point. I mean, they did feel the very as you guys mentioned they did feel the very strong team yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that and would have probably yeah. been difficult <clears throat> i think credit to billy as well because you know in the yeah. stadium we were saying that he was kind of getting a bit overwhelmed in the first half because mcsomney yeah. was basically trying to bully him physically um yeah, exactly. and fred as well they were they were basically targeting him but after you know, in the second half, when everyone was expecting that to continue, he kind of burst out of his shell and he was really kind of trying to dictate, um, you know, playing balls out wide, playing balls through the middle. So he was, you know, he was really trying to exert himself in a position that, as you said, wasn't, it's not his number one. So, yeah. Well, I mean, all things considered, we can probably agree that. It was a little unlucky, and if if we had to lose a game in this good run of form that we've had going, then he would probably we'd probably take a loss in the Carabao Cup. I mean, if he really had to. So mm, absolutely, yeah. The the probably one of the big downside is some of our youngsters will have to wait until uh, January or the end of December, whenever the FA Cup comes around. Yeah. But. I mean that, yeah, that's that's that with regards to the United game. I, I mean, as far as as far as we're concerned, they barely created anything from open play, and we didn't concede from open play. So where where it doesn't mean that our defense suddenly turned to you know no. rubbish. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Gerhi was 
was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, was. He, you know, if if um, someone who hadn't watched Chelsea for a long time saw him, they just expect he was a senior player. I mean, yeah, that was exactly. his second ever senior start. So exactly, it's uh, you know, it's it's really amazing that we have depth like that, and mm. uh, someone like Amparu potentially coming in as well. I mean, we're probably going to have a bit of a log jam or something in that position. Anyway, yeah. well. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back to discuss the Watford game. Okay, and we are back. Um, we have been talking about the Man United game. We came to uh, the conclusion that maybe it's not the, oh, more or less, not the best uh, situation for the youngsters, but maybe long term it isn't so bad. It was the best of times, it was the worst. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so, we then were trying to react by playing uh, against Watford and Frank Lampard put out a quite interesting team, if you ask me. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who was slated after that United game, I think that's something that we forgot also to mention still. Uh, Chelsea Twitter, you know, Ram mentioned at the start that um, Oli is also part of Chelsea Twitter, as we all are. Uh, that's kind of, I mean, this might sound pretentious, but the good side of Twitter where one isn't reactionary and one isn't irrational. Uh, however, there were people that were calling for him to be loaned immediately, that he would, should have been subbed right in the first half. And while I don't believe that Lampard would ever react to that, and he did decide that Callum Hudson-Odoi, for whatever reasons, uh, should be dropped and or rotated. Let's say rotated. I think that sounds better. Uh, and we then... Started with Christian Pulisic and William on the wings, which turned out to be quite quite potent. I, I thought they did quite well the um, the wingers, but I mean the show the start of the show was without a doubt, of course. Jorginho <laughs> uh, once again with a hell of an assist for that first goal that we scored. I mean, yeah, you were for at, Watford's at, goal as well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah okay, <laughs> but yeah, that's something we'll get into in a minute. But um, Ollie, you were at the game. You said, I mean, yeah. first four after that went in. How how was the 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 vibe in the stadium at Vicarage Road? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, our away fans this season have been pretty spectacular, to be honest, for mm. more or less every ninety minutes. Um, and I, you, you could probably hear us through the uh, TV, even though they always turn, they always change the levels, so it's never exactly how you feel it in the stadium. But um, as soon as Jorginho got the ball from Mount, you could see Tammy was running, and yeah. he was picking him out. And uh, I mean, obviously we were completely under under the pitch. That's where the away end is. So in the second half, they were kicking towards us. So in the first half, we can we can't see kind of. The defensive line mm. so we we were obviously <laughs> it, it was kind of watching the ball curve just past Cathcart and we were going he's in <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, it's like a perfect perfect pass um and then the finish as well it was just a beautiful finish it was um, exquisite mm. yeah he actually put it in the bottom corner as well <laughs> it wasn't just like down the middle of the goal he actually like lifted over him into the bottom corner um, but yeah, no, it was a beautiful goal. And I think Tammy, I mean, Tammy has been playing really well. Um, 
and not getting that goal. Maybe yeah. know, he's yeah. being too kind of, um, yeah, like profligate, like not taking his chances that we assume he would take on his previous form. But um, he's always there. His his movement is brilliant. Like I, like you won't be able to see it on TV as much as you can in the stadium, but he makes those runs like 20, 30 times a, a game. Mm-hmm. And Jorginho last season was playing that ball about 14, 15 times a game. So, I mean, someone made a good point on Twitter that was basically, sorry, uh, you know, he was looking for the striker to unlock Jorginho. Unfortunately, he sent him on loan to Aston Villa without thinking. So, yeah. ah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of where we are right now. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's his, what, 11th and 11 in terms of goals and assists. Mm. Um, and he's all, that's already his seventh away goal this season. Uh, and last season, to put it in perspective, um, Eden Hazard was our top scorer away from home and he had five. So that's the kind of dominance we're exerting away from home. It feels very different. Like, you know, I travel away from home a lot. Uh-huh. And this season, it kind of just feels like we're just going to run through teams. Um, and it hasn't felt like that for a long time. Brilliant. I also I loved think... how the... Oh, oh no. No, <laughs> I was just, sorry. I was sorry, just going to say, I loved how the away fans started singing about Vicarage Road being a library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't ideal. We were we were asking them where their drummer was going because uh, he was trying to start he was trying to start chants and uh, you know every 10 minutes it would go silent we would ask them for a song he would start up and then it would go silent again but yeah it's very great <laughs> i think it's something interesting to pick up on there uh, guys um you mentioned that last season Eden Hazard was our top striker uh goal wise mm-hmm. and Tammy Abraham's more or less nearly matched him there we've been frequently scoring goals while last year we clearly struggled um is that is that something that we can really attribute to the frank lampard is it the way we're playing so that would be also lampard or what what's changed there what what do you think lads i mean from my point of view uh the midfield (laughs) the midfield has hugely changed because last season well, well, you know, obviously in the, in the stadium, there were a lot of people who didn't get what Sari was trying to do. I, I was trying to see it from a kind of bigger picture perspective and knowing how he used to play. And yes, I did watch Napoli the season before. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of, it was almost like he tried to apply this kind of paint by numbers, football by numbers approach to the Premier League. And it, it's too chaotic to do that. In Serie A, there are kind of patterns of play that every team has to kind of figure out. And within that, there's kind of chaos, like as Jeremy Bogger is, you know, exploiting in Serie A at the moment with Sassuolo, he's kind of yeah. just dribbling through everyone. Yeah. Um, but in the Premier League, you have to exploit the chaos. You can't play by numbers. And Ko- Kovacic and Jorginho under Lampard is just completely different. It's like I know I know everyone will say that you know Jorginho was this player last season and Kovacic has been this player before, but the step up is just because they're allowed to express themselves. They don't have to 
accord to this, you know, we always have to play it to the fullback who then plays it round towards the striker or the fullback always has to play inside so the midfielder can play it over the top. Like that's not always the case. We yeah. can change the way we play. Kovacic can run with the ball, which is his favourite thing to do. It's, he's one of the best dribblers I've ever seen in midfield. Mm. His part, I mean, even more so than his passing, his his dribbling is like, it's just next level. It's like it's like Eden Hazard, to be honest, and that's the biggest compliment I can play him. Um, but that, to me, is the biggest difference. It's just midfield is just given this licence to just assert themselves and not have to play this kind of football by numbers approach, but I don't know what round him. I agree with, I mean, pretty much all of that. I also think that, I think I've said this before, but I think that Eden Hazard leaving has allowed us to grow more cohesively as a team because it's just different when you have him in the team and he's going to be the I mean, the outlet of most dangerous attacks. And it just it just feels a lot more wholesome this year. Like, you have a clear attacking plan, which we didn't really have under Maurizio Sari. And, yeah, Sari also really kept Kovacic on, on a leash, which Lampard has not. So it's it's not... Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of it is the midfield... And a lot of it is also the amount of direct play. We don't we don't keep the ball in midfield for very long. We advance it to the final third rather quickly, is what I've noticed. And yeah, there's 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 growing cohesion between between our attackers, and no one is hogging the ball as much as even as I used to. So it's 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 all ultimately ending up in a number of chances being created for the striker and in in various ways and yeah Tommy Abraham is putting them away he's doing the business so yeah good times good times are rolling uh touch word but on on somewhat of a similar note I was really interested in knowing your perspective Ollie on this whole thing Basically, this whole season, like you've you've watched Chelsea for a very long time now, and this is this is definitely the first time you're witnessing something like this, right? Where there are a bunch of homegrown players all breaking into the side at the same time, and 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 uh, I mean, uh, like <laughs> heaven knows you've you've been through a number of frustrating games. Like I don't know if you were at the game where. Uh, he, I mean, Nathaniel Chalobah wasn't brought on at Bristol Rovers because yeah. we could have drawn that game. Or when George mm-hmm. McEachern was not brought off, brought on yeah. uh, in a dead rubber, <laughs> and when Mark Gurhi was not brought on at the in the last game of the season when we had nothing yeah. to play for, and mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a complete paradigm shift. And just just how good does it feel now when when you go to Stamford Bridge when when you just I mean, even when you go away, is is the whole atmosphere just different? Is everyone re-energized? Because that's that's how I imagine it to be in my head. But then you're the one who's actually going. So I'm really interested to hear what what it feels like to you know live through it. It's hugely different. It's hugely different. It's like <laughs> it's it's uh, you know the the kind of what a time to be alive 
Simpsons meme. I mean, that is kind yeah, of yeah. what <laughs> this is kind of how a lot of us are feeling right now. I mean, if you told me last season that next season Reese James would make his debut in the first away game of the Champions League, like, I mean, <laughs> that's a kind of uh, dream state when you're thinking about it last season. Last season, there was such a fracture in terms of people didn't like the style of play, people didn't like the idea of the manager, people didn't understand, quote-unquote, what Jorginho did, which to me is a nonsense. Um, but it's kind of, it's just so different in terms of how cohesive we are now. I mean, every single player on that pitch is playing for the shirt for a start. And going yeah. back to what you were saying about Eden, there's no one hiding behind him anymore. Last season, yeah. people would just give him the ball and just say, go on. That's happened for a while, hasn't it? Football. Yeah. It's happened since, well, arguably, you know, since our golden generation left. Mm-hmm. And we've had Eden. It's more or less been like that. Like since Mata left, um, there was the kind of couple of years with um, Fabregas and Costa and that partnership. But even then, we were relying on moments of brilliance from Eden. And now it feels like it's a collective and the collective has to perform. And going back to Callum, you know, I love Callum. And he's going to be a, a really, really special player. But he's not 100% yet. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to try and work his way back into it. But so is Christian Pulisic. And he has shown over the last two games that he deserves the start. And then the question becomes, oh, is William going to be fit for Tuesday or fit for Saturday? And then does Callum get his chance there? But then he has to take it. And this is the reality we're in now. Lampard's not going to treat kids like kids he's going to treat them like professional footballers and they're going to have to earn their place which is why it's so special that Tammy is you know second top goal scorer in the Premier League you know Mason is this like tactical behemoth for us and yeah it's so different when he doesn't play and that's no disrespect to Billy or Barkley or whoever but he just makes it work like he's so important for how we press um and and that's the reality we're in like Fick Tamori I could have told you he's my favorite youth center back going into this season but it takes a manager like Frank or and you know assistant like Jody Joe Edwards to say look we can let Luis go because I trust this guy and we know he's got it in him and you know who's going to say no to that now you know arguably he's one of the form center backs in the league along with Kurt Zuma so, yeah, but that's where we are now. I think. Yeah, <laughs> so I think so. Something that people are forgetting uh, in regard to these youth players. Uh, the most recent example, as said, being um, Callum hudson odoi is that they're so so young. We're talking about eighteen-year-old. In, in any other situation, and say, so, yeah, they'll need time. They'll need time. And now it's as if. If the youth is doing well, then praise and all that. But if something goes wrong this season, or when things have gone wrong this season, mm. and the first ones that have been blamed have been primarily our youth players instead of um, the usual suspects. Uh, I, don't, I, no, I, I, I think that's a dangerous habit because especially Mason Mount, we spoke about this also on the last podcast, the abuse he's been getting on um, on 
Chelsea Twitter, for example, has been horrendous. And mm. the way we play or without him was evident against Man United. We were a much worse team, a much worse team. And, you know, we didn't win the game, okay, but still, it was just so blatantly obvious that with him in the team, we just function far better. It was, it was the same against Valencia, for example, in the Champions League. When yeah. he went off due to injury, yeah. we, the whole team fell apart, basically. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that people should very much keep in mind and acknowledge. But it's, you know, you're never going to get people to think uh, or, you know, think makes sense. So in that regard, I think one just has to accept that. But it's ridiculous how fast things have gone and that we're relying on these youngsters. And I think that's what makes all this all the more exciting. And against Watford, yeah, once again, Fico Tomori was ridiculously good. Um, the Mason Mount was good, had a quiet game, but a good one. He hit the bar, which was, my God, you heard that even uh, through the television. Blimey, that that was a very, very, very uh, good shot. Um, yeah, I, I think. One can also make an argument for Tam Abraham having maybe the best game up until now against Watford because I, I know he scored a hat-trick against uh, Wolves and on paper that will be his best, but kind of games as it was against Watford, which weren't easy, you know, getting those crucial goals, that's just Drogba-esque, if you ask me. I might be yeah, exaggerating here, but, you know, you get my vibe. <laughs> no, absolutely. There was a similar goal where Lampard played this incredible through ball to Drogba and he scored in similar fashion. Exactly, yeah. Um, I think it was from the other end of the pitch. Uh, I mean, Mm. it was like the mirror image of this goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, outside the right foot against Man City. Mm. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal. But I, I think Jimmy, you're absolutely right. I think... I, I also think it's down to what people see and what they rely on as well. So on Chelsea Twitter, there's a lot of kind of, you know, people talk about stat padding and, you know, they're only a championship player and, you know, the, the stats aren't showing what people are like overhyping certain players. But the reality is that's not how, you know, football works. It gives you a view of it, but it gives you a very narrow window. So, as I was saying earlier, you know, inside the stadium, we can see Tammy making those runs, you know, over the top, especially away from home, where the majority of teams play quite a high line against us. Players like Pulisic, Mason Mount, uh, William and Tammy are constantly moving. So even when on the screen, we're seeing like, oh, the midfield is just kind of looking up for the right back or the left back or whatever, out picture. These guys are like, <laughs> running their ass off basically so even even an example of mason mount like people think oh, all he does is press or all he does is tackle or he does his kind of shoot i guess as if those are bad things but the kind of the reality is that teams literally sit off another 10 yards because he's on the pitch so the example of burnley the reason why we were so devastating on the break but also because they were making you know, they were making these errors is because they knew they were going to be pressed by 
Mount, Pulisic, William, and uh, Tammy. So, you know, Lowton makes that mistake that Pulisic capitalizes on because he knows he can't take a touch. Like, he knows he can't yeah. basically take his time and do what he wants to do because we are pressing so aggressively. So I think people have to kind of think big picture in terms of Mason Mount. Um, even, I mean, four goals isn't that bad a return, and but for Definitely. Ben Foster turning into prime De Gea, <laughs> he'd had another one yesterday, at least. So, you Just know. imagine if he'd put that one in at the end. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> It's just a crazy save, man. I mean, it, Ben Foster was laughing about it afterwards. He was, yeah. he was, he was shouting to Mason Mount and saying, "Like, what were you doing? Like, you put so much swerve." On it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I think, I think maybe Ben Foster was was playing for a move as well. He kind of came out afterwards and he was like, you know, Kepa's great and all this respect and you know, so great playing against a good team. <laughs> we need <laughs> we need someone after Willy Caballero gets like yeah, too old. Like he's future proofing his career, right? Because what for the bottom of the table and it feels it feels like they're kind of a long way off, even though you know they've got people like Chalabar and uh, their midfield is okay, but the defense is just so open. Even when they sit back, like they've got Cathcart and he's just not a Premier League footballer. So you know. <laughs> Ironically, he's been one for about six years now. <laughs> yeah, right. How? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Chalaba, how I mean, how did it feel to see our boy back again? I mean, not back yeah. again, but yeah. It's just just seeing him in the flesh again, I guess, playing against us. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's back and playing regularly. And there's no coincidence that he played the last what three games since he came back, and they yeah. kept two clean sheets. Yeah, because he's because he's solid. So, but there was a bittersweet moment. Like I don't know if I don't know if you guys saw on the on the TV, but um, he went off on the far side of the pitch, and then he walked around past us, um, <laughs> and we were all kind of you know, clapping him and singing his name. Uh-huh. And he, he kind of, it looked like he, he wanted to respond, but he couldn't. And in the end, he did like some kind of <laughs> little like flick of his hand to show that he noticed. Um, but it's like, it's this bittersweet moment of like, you know, really if Conte is. had made more of a play to keep him and you know, <laughs> he's more of a plan. And, oh, geez. Don't get me know. started on that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but but, yeah. but you know what? Uh, now now that you mentioned Conte, that reminds me oh, of <laughs> it reminds me of someone else who left in the very same summer, um, who who happens to look like a certain Rude Kulit, and mm. we uh-huh, we, we also <laughs> it, it's it's no coincidence that he happens to be one of my favorite players of all time. That's just that's just yeah that's yeah yeah the coincidence, but. I, I was actually going to refer to us being linked to him. I mean, mm-hmm. us being linked to buying him back for that apparent 40 million buyback clause now that we have apparently, I mean, not apparently, our date for the official hearing of the appeal at CAS mm-hmm. has been set, hasn't it? Uh, November yeah. 20th, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And we may be, I mean, Best case scenario is we may be allowed to buy players in January and thereafter. So, mm-hmm. 
what do we what do, what do we think of this uh, potential development jimmy do we, do you actually want us to buy anyone well i know we disagree on this um but i do believe that we should um make one buy in january uh pedro for example i tweeted out today uh, he's been a terrific son of the club and i actually had him as one of my favorite players uh, since he joined back in 2015. Um, but, you know, I think anyone who thinks the opposite is lying that he hasn't been in a very uh, steep decline over the last few weeks slash months. So uh, I think if we are able to recoup some kind of a transfer, some, for example, I think uh, a Turkish side was mentioned today that we're a good move and it's been reported quite a few times now that Chelsea are trying to get in another winger so that will be my prime um, transfer target in January and otherwise I wouldn't really get anyone even if uh, you know it's the case that no one's really realistic because of you know money reasons or whatever um, then can't get one in and Pedro has to stay. But generally, that will be an area where I'd say we could improve. Otherwise, defence and midfield, I wouldn't really um, do anything there. I know our midfield has been thin, centre-backs as well, due to injuries. But if all goes according to plan, we should be having Kante back, Rudiger back, Christensen back. And and this is one of the ones that I've really been looking forward to, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Not too long to go hopefully so with them back we don't need any reinforcements there we've got billy gilmer you know if needs be maybe even if we recall ethan ampadu i'm not sure what's happening there uh, I, I can't imagine that he'll stay in germany because even though he got his starting debut uh, over the weekend if i'm not yeah, mistaken after they were that, winning seven no. yeah so <laughs> that that's ridiculous something has to be done there he's the new uh, full that yeah <laughs> So something has to be done there and maybe he'd come back. He can fill both positions. You know, that would also be quite uh, good. He'd get to know Lampard. He'd play with uh, players he'd learn from them. So I, I think that would also be a, uh, not a bad scenario. And he's only 18 years old for crying out loud. So if if he were to be here one more season, then go on loan for one year or two, then that'd be fine. So yeah, right wing for me. Uh, I know a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but I wouldn't mind Wilfred Saha. I think he's a very, very good player. He's at the right age. The price, what Crystal Palace want, is ridiculous. But if one is able to somehow include a player, not Mishy Bashwai, as I think uh, we shouldn't be disturbing the dynamic there with him being the second string striker, um, then then I'd definitely pounce on that because we're not getting Jane Sancho. I'm sure we might try in the summer with if William were to leave as well. He hasn't signed a new contract extension. So long story short, um, if we do get this overturned and we combine January, then I'd start making business. Doesn't mean multiple purchases, but one. One big signing. That would be a show of intent from Chelsea after the transfer ban. And I think that would also boost morale and the fans' uh, motivation even more than it already is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, our, that that would be the most prudent strategy, is what I think. Just, you know, 
So that's us, that's what we should have done right from the get go, right? Spend big, but spend on like a proper improvement. Uh, the same may be spent on Hazard all those all those years ago. Uh, although it wasn't like huge money at the time, but you know what I mean. So something like a Sancho kind of purchase or whenever, just one big signing that, you know, does the job. Um, Ollie, what do you think? Would you, I mean, I wouldn't sign anyone till the summer, but just, mm-hmm. just for just for the record. What would you do if our ban actually got, you know, cut down by one window? It's, it's a tough one because, um, I mean, in theory, we obviously want to refresh in January, but when you when you think about the sort of players that are coming back, so obviously Ruben is going to come back and that's going to completely, that might completely change the whole of midfield and it may be even like the formation. <laughs> so we've got to kind of, we've got to kind of keep, keep things, I don't know, keep things relative. So in terms of a right winger, I absolutely get what you're saying with Pedro. Um, he is in decline, and the reality is that he's that he's just getting older. Um, he's had an unbelievable career. And oh yeah. The fact is, he just you know he can't play week in week out, and he's not got that kind of zip off the bench anymore. And he had this his you know his golden day was uh, away at Everton when we won the league. So yeah. You know, since then, it's kind of been a. Uh, we we always say <laughs> we, we always say in the you know people that go to Chelsea that there's a good Pedro and a bad Pedro, and yeah. you kind of know from his first few touches if it's going to be good or bad. Um, <laughs> and it was it was quite clear which one came on against United and, and gave away the foul. But you know this kind of uh, reality is that in January we're not going to get our top targets. I know we have top targets. Um, and they're all in the summer. So uh, I think a returning Ruben is a huge plus for us. Um, Ethan, I think if he came back, he might go back out on loan just because of the fact that we have so many midfield options now. Um, and it's not clear that he would get enough minutes to that he would deserve um, at this stage of his career. Yeah. Um, when you have Kante and Kovacic and Jorginho and Gilmore and Ruben and Mason, and you have to fit that into three places. So, you know, if, if we keep the same formation. Um, in terms of refreshing right wing, I, I go along with Ram. I think we've got a lot of money in the bank next summer. And I think we've got this policy now of targeting the best and using what's coming through to supplement everywhere else. So we probably will look at the likes of Chilwell, Sancho, you know, who everyone's probably going to be after, but the reality is that we have a lot of his mates at this club. Um, he He's a London boy, so there might be something there. In terms of Chilwell, I think that's it's quite tough because City are probably going to be after him as well. Um, but they have so many left-backs and right-backs at this oh, point. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> it's obscene, really. But, I don't yeah, think they can. Yeah. Do you really think they'll be in for him? I can't imagine. That... Well, the talk is that, you know, Guardiola's kind of getting sick of Mendy not being able to play a full season. And even if he's exceptional when he's playing for like two or three games, that after three games, then they have to bring in, you know, 
Yeah, I mean it makes sense, um, doesn't it? Mendy's Mendy's yeah. like crocked the whole time and then yeah. the the other upgradable obviously upgradable position is upgrading on Zinchenko. So Yes. And I suppose they bought back um they Oh, they even Spain. bought back Angelino. Yeah. Angelino, exactly. Oh my so god, it, it's back, crazy. Which is wow. like <laughs> that, that makes that, absolutely that no poor sense. Kid was playing regularly for PSV and yeah. they just they just called him back for nothing. Very heartless club. <laughs> I mean that's the reality of Guardiola, right? I mean you can yeah. ask Phil Foden about about <laughs> minutes wanted and minutes given and you know. But Phil Foden that's the, that's the thing. Yeah. He's Phil Foden is just paid back in like press conference praise these days. But you know, I, I think um even if we were to go for Sancho in the summer, I don't necessarily believe that that means we can't buy someone in in January for the simple reason that if the board is aware that, yeah, we're not going to be extending the contract of William because he wants two years, we're not doing this again after the whole David Luiz fiasco, then um, we might looked i i don't think we'd sell him necessarily in january but we'd just let him leave you know he's been a great servant to the club and then mm. we'd buy a new winger in in the summer and then i i know this is a more fifa talk here, but <laughs> if theoretically we would have Callum hudson doy christian pulisic um a Jaden sancho which will be incredibly difficult to bring through even and though Zaha. he has got made. and <laughs> Zaha I think that will be some great four players and I know people don't want Zaha but I actually rate him so maybe I'm alone there but I think he'd be a good purchase um for less money of course and then the quoted 80 but generally that's uh, basically yeah. going to be like the second best attack in the league or something right or third for sure Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's a full <laughs> ridiculous option. But before um, we get into that, so, sorry to uh, interrupt you there. We just have to take a quick break. Right. So, welcome back. And yeah, so, Oli, are we, are we winning the league in 2020, 2021 or not? <laughs> <laughs> She's going to hit me with that one. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I mean, <laughs> this, this is the thing. I mean, Paul Merson says a lot of things. I'll, uh-huh. I'll start off the uh, sentence with that. But okay, yeah. what, I th- what I think he got right or kind of was heading towards is that we have a really special group of players here. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that you know our best team by the end of the season won't be the same as our best team at the beginning of the season. And a lot of those players who were in the first 11 against United will be like, household names basically you know you're talking about mason mount people are you know saying he has to go to the euros tammy abraham has to go to the euros fikaya tamori has to go to the euros and these Mm. are players that were being written off last season as just like yeah but it's the championship (laughs) so you know this is the reality of what we're building here is that and and it's you know with (laughs) those of us who watch youth football a lot know that these players are special like you just see them every week you know how good they are and that's not even you know bringing in reese james or bringing in 100 percent fit hudson and or allowing ruben loftus cheek to just 
you know, blow away the Premier League. So this is kind of our development is, yeah, it's a bit scary, to be honest. I mean, this is the kind of birth of this Chelsea. Yep. And we're already pushing for second as it happens, you know, on current form. Yep. Um, you know, this time last season, uh, Morata had just scored twice. Uh, and Pedro, as it happens. And we beat Palace 3-1. So, you know, I'll take that result. <laughs> I'll take that result on Saturday as well. But yeah. um, <laughs> but everyone asked um, where the goals would come from after Ed and, and you know, we lost our best player and, and how would we fare with a, you know, a novice manager. And the reality is we've had, I think, 15 different goal scorers this season. Exactly. It's about rising mm. up to it as a team rather than just yeah. replacing individual for individual, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. And, and this is where we're going, you know. So it can only be good. It can only be good going forward. Brilliant. Well, on that very optimistic note, and I mean, kind of realistic as well, <laughs> uh, we will look forward to Chelsea's next two games. Briefly, uh, one of them is Ajax at home. Now, since we've already beaten them at the Johan Koifstal. And then there's Crystal Palace. A good old Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace where <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek had the most Premier League minutes before he came back to Chelsea. And that's also at Stamford Bridge. So, uh, Oli, I'm assuming you'll be at both of these games. Of course, yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, can we have quick predictions from you for both of these games? Well, I think it's all about the midfield, right? Mm-hmm. So Kante is back. We know he's 100% back now. He's been training for a, over a week and a half yep. without problems. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge deal for us. And also Jorginho is obviously going to miss Palace because he got that <laughs> tactical yellow card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, in the stadium, it was very clear because he, <laughs> he pushed William away. He then turned to the bench. <laughs> And he then shouted the referee. So oh my god! <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so if there is any doubt in that, um, if you're listening, FA, don't listen to me. But um, <laughs> it, it seemed very clear that he was trying to be booked. Um, <laughs> but this is the thing. So is it going to be Jorginho and Kante tomorrow, or is it going to be Jorginho and Kova again because they were so special the last few weeks, and then? Kovacic and Kante on Saturday because they're kind of more dynamic and we need to break down that Roy Hodgson defence. I think that's the big choice, really. Um, I think everywhere else kind of stays as is unless William, um, unless William's knock is a bit problematic again. Um, and then Callum would come in. And I think maybe Reese for Aspie is an option as well um, because Aspie can't play you know, every single minute this season. Um, and Reese offers us something different going forward. Uh, so I, th- I think if we get an early goal against Ajax, they're going to struggle a bit. There's talk that Donny van der Beek might miss out. Oh, um, He limped off against Zwolle. Um, oh, they lost, okay. so they drew 4-2, and they were almost 3-all against one of the worst sides in the division, but they were saved by VAR, mm-hmm. unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if we score early... And assert ourselves. It's not like Ajax are going to sit back, right? So this is kind of a, a home game that we almost like because it's yep. going to be quite open. Yeah. Um, but if we score early, 
Um, I fancy us to hold on to it. Um, in terms of Palace, we know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to play on the break. Uh, they're going <laughs> to use all their pace on the break. And yeah, Zaha, yeah. Yeah. Ayu, you know, um, and just go for set pieces as well, I imagine, probably, mm. knowing Roy Hodgson. And just um, yeah, exactly. Who again turns up against us? Or <laughs> exactly. Uh, Zahar and Townsend, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think we just need to break them down, and the earlier the better, because that means they have to come out. So, it's like Burnley, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like Burnley. Although Burnley were at home, so they couldn't play as deep as they will away from home. Um, even under Sean Dyche, <laughs> do it. so. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, it was interesting that Sean Dyche um, was moaning about not getting a VAR decision on a very soft penalty shot. Um, oh, God. It's interesting, isn't it, um, when they're in a different <laughs> coloured shirt? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think we can easily win both games, but I think we need to go into it with the mentality of we need to get an early goal in both games because that makes it infinitely easier. Um, yep. especially against Palace. What do you guys think? I, I think that's very well summed up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I actually think you covered pretty much everything there. I, I just think that um, I, I hope Kante doesn't get injured against Ajax or something. I just, I just don't know if he's 100% fit yet. I know he's training with the group, but yeah, that's, that's literally my only apprehension. If, if Kante gets injured against Ajax or something, then we're, we're left with Gilmore starting against Crystal Palace. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's the ideal situation to be starting against Luka Milivojevic in midfield. So, there's that. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think you've covered pretty much everything. Jimmy, you have something to add? No, not really. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I really do say that. Um... In all honesty, I think that is exactly how they will play, as Ollie said. And finding that balance between the two games will be very, very difficult. But, you know, Lampard's done well in finding it up until now, so I'll trust him entirely there. Yep. Um, one thing one could still say is that despite Crystal Palace being, you know, a bit of a, I don't want to say a banter team, but over the last few seasons it's been more like you know ah oh, it's palace and Roy hodson but they are playing really they know they're playing really well this season and i think yeah, one so should not yeah. underestimate them so it, it, it would be naive to do so and I, i'm sure lampard won't because lampard's a very level-headed guy he knows yeah. exactly what he's coming up against so in that regard uh i just hope the team knows as well you know complacency has been sometimes been our killer or not this season necessarily but in the past so we'll have to wait and see um yeah but predictions, that's me. i'd say yeah no I've, <laughs> predictions you know I, i'll leave the lineup up to ollie because that's how we do it with our guests but yeah. uh prediction wise uh what the score i'm gonna go with two nil first time i actually am predicting us having a clean sheet so that must count for something is that against Ajax? <laughs> oh no against oh that's against palace uh, oh, against okay. ajax Ooh, hum, ha, ha. yeah i'm gonna go with a draw 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's more like you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a two-one win against Ajax and a two-nil win against Crystal Palace because we are definitely scoring more than once against Ajax. We are definitely conceding once, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> against Crystal Palace, I think I think yeah, we'll we'll do a Burnley, but you know, without having a freak last ten minutes, last five minutes even. So yeah. Um, Oli, uh, we wanted to get two TDs for you, so why don't you just hit us up with a lineup that you would put out against just Ajax and then maybe give us a scoreline prediction for both of those games. Okay, so um, well, I think most of it picks itself, so I go Kepa, Emerson, uh, Zuma, Tamori, mm-hmm. as for the Quater, probably. Yeah. Um, Although I'd like to play Reese, but I think Asby had such a good game away from home in Amsterdam that we kind of need him defensively, potentially, yeah. even, yeah. even though Reese can do that. But um, in midfield, I think is the interesting one. Mm-hmm. I think it might be Jorginho and Kante. Yeah. And I think uh, Mason plays 10, Tammy is up front. Uh, yeah, and then William and Pulisic, I think. Um, in terms of result, I want to say three-one because oh, sure, yeah. And if if Donny Van der Beek doesn't play, I'll say three-nil. Um, <laughs> you really read Donny Van der Beek? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, no, he is um, really good. Yeah, he is really good. Uh, I think for Palace, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say the same lineup. I might be tempted to put Reese at right back, and I would probably put. Uh, cover instead of Georgie. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Callum. I, I think Callum might be interesting yeah. against Palace because he's going to have so much of the ball. They'll probably give him a lot of space. Yeah. And he kind of excels in one on one situations and he needs that kind of confidence boost because after Burnley, which basically we would have got a penalty and he would have won that penalty and yeah. whatever. But also <laughs> against United, where in the first five minutes, he gave Bashwai two quite good chances, mm-hmm. and Mitchy miscontrolled them twice, yeah. um, mm. especially one of them when he was running through on goal. So I think people are kind of overstating how badly he's playing. I think, yes, he is probably trying a bit too hard at the moment, but also yeah. he's not 100%. But yeah, I think he might get the go ahead on Saturday because I don't think William can play another three games in a week. Or two, yeah. yeah another two games a week um so yeah and in terms of the result I, I want i want a sort of statement there because we need a quite convincing home win so uh what do you say ram you said two nil didn't you so i'll say three nil <laughs> oh blimey okay <laughs> confident yeah he's confident okay well <laughs> I think that concludes our uh, podcast for today. Uh, it's been a wonderful chat. Unfortunately, as always, time flies by when yeah. one talking <laughs> about Chelsea. That's kind of the downside of the podcast, but that's a good downside to have, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Ollie, thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you, um, apart from Twitter, you know. So, <laughs> lovely to have you on. Good to Love have you on in the future again, if you have. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Brilliant. Follow Ollie. Follow Ollie on Twitter at yeah. at 
Ollie Glanville, spelt with a double L at the end. Yes, no E. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and do that. You won't regret it. And <laughs> that concludes the podcast for this week. We'll be back next week, hopefully on the back of two wins. That would be the best scenario. No matter what happens, we'll be talking about it. And as always, we're going to say goodbye by saying keep the blue flag flying by and up the Chelsea.